0: Well, good morning. morning. Turn around and either wave to somebody or say hello to them. Just kind of welcome the folks who are around you this morning. Say hello. If they have a jacket and you're cold, steal it from them. It's all good. All right, we are in uh, the wedding of Cana today with some imagery that for some of us is... Uh, something that perhaps you are familiar with that you've heard before, this uh, notion of Jesus as the bridegroom. For some of us, this whole uh, imagery that's in the gospel might be either new to us or maybe foreign to us. And, and for many of us, um, that the notion of, uh, of spousal relationships with God touches on our own experience of being a spouse and so I want to walk into this water with you with reverence today but let's together kind of open up our bulletins for a little bible study today as we kind of just jump right into the subject matter at hand and we're going to start on page four today page four as we kind of unpack in a little bible study this image of the messiah as the bridegroom Last week, you may remember, as we were together, that we, as we looked at um, the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, last week we said it's the where that revealed the what. And in some way, it's the same thing again this week. It's the where Jesus is that is going to reveal something specific about him. But today, even more pointedly, it's what Jesus does that reveals who he is. So last week, it was the where reveals the what. This week, it's the what reveals the who. And that's going to be significant for us. Start on on page four with me together. Where are we in the gospel today? We're at the wedding of Cana, which is, uh, of course, in the Holy Land. And the reason that we are picking up with this Gospel of all Gospels today is because today we start a new liturgical season. I'm I'm in green, whereas the previous weeks I've been in white. So we start this stretch of just ordinary life and ordinary time, and we're beginning a new liturgical season, the ordinary rhythm of life. And so today, we pick up on a line from the Gospel today. If you're on the the bulletin A1, right? Jesus did that at the beginning beginning of his signs at Canaan and Galilee, Jesus begins his public ministry. And so as we begin a new rhythm together, we start where Jesus began his public ministry. And he does this at a wedding, which is super important for us to kind of understand the why today. Why, of all places, does Jesus, as he is going to reveal himself to us as the Messiah, why is it that Jesus chooses to to a wedding of all places to to begin his ministry weddings back then were very very important Uh, in today's world uh, weddings at best are usually the the rehearsal the night before and 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 a a big a big reception after the wedding Uh, it's usually one day but in antiquity right in a thousand two thousand years ago in the jewish culture weddings would have been seven days right Seven days of eating and drinking, just to show you that the Jewish people were cousins to the Cajuns, because that's my kind of wedding right there, right? So a seven-day just banquet of joy, lots of things to eat, lots of things to drink there. And so you can imagine that after seven days of a lot of eating and drinking, right, they ran out of wine. And, and, and Mary, of all people, Mary says to Jesus, "Hey, hey, do something about that. Flip the page with me to page five. Right? So Jesus' response to her in the Bible is actually significant for us as we kind of unpack things, right? Jesus looks at Mary and says, My hour has not yet come. In the Gospel of John, every time you hear the word the hour, it's not referring to the time of day, it's referring to the time on the day when Jesus would fulfill his mission as the Messiah, right? This hour of his cross and passion, his resurrection, right here. This is the hour. And so it's interesting. Mary says they have no wine. You would think Jesus would say, I can take care of that for you. But instead, he says, no, 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 no. My hour, where I am to fulfill my identity as the Messiah, has not yet come. So, like, like, how does Jesus go from they need help... Beginning his ministry to this image of, wait, 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 it's not time for me to be like revealed to the world that I am the Messiah. Look, look let's, let's kind of wrap our brain around why Jesus would, would be saying all this in the hour at a wedding. Look on page 5, letter E. I want us all to look at this together if we can. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah chapter 25, Isaiah is, is pointing to a day in the future where God is going to save his people. Now, we don't know the exact day or the hour when when all that's going to happen. Isaiah doesn't know that, so he uses imagery. And look at the bold italicized print from the Old Testament. It says, On this mountain in Jerusalem, right, the Lord of hosts, God, will provide all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. Juicy, rich food and pure choice wines. So Isaiah is saying, hey, there's going to be a day when the Messiah comes in the Messianic age where it's just going to be a banquet. And it's going to be the best banquet of all where there's going to be food and wine more than anything else that you can ever possibly ask or imagine. And so uh, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, like Mary who were waiting for the Messiah, many of them would have said, there's going to be a day when the Messiah comes where it's going to be like a banquet, like a wedding banquet. And the Jews at the time of Jesus, who were waiting for the Messiah, would have not just been waiting for a political Person That's the majority. But the core, the people who really believed, they knew the Old Testament, they would have been waiting for the Messiah to fulfill this imagery as one who's coming to to marry us, you might say. Flip the page, page 6 there. Some images from the Old Testament that reveal to us this image that God wants to to be with us in in a very intimate, spousal way. In today's first reading, we read, right? The first reading, Janet read for us from Isaiah 62. Again, just the bold print here. Your builder shall marry you. Stop right there. Builder. That's an interesting word. Why would God call himself a builder? Y'all remember the book of Genesis? When God took the clay out of the ground and he fashioned Adam like a builder? And then it says, and he took one of the ribs... And the exact quote is, and he built from the rib Eve. That's the image of the builder. It's not an architect, you might say. It's someone who fashions and creates, right? So go back to the quote there. It says, your builder shall marry you as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall God rejoice in you. It's not that God is like, okay, all of y'all sinned, God's up there mad... He's like, all right, I gotta fix this. Let me send my son, give me some blood, and we'll fix this thing. That's not the gospel. That's how it's presented a lot of times. That's just bad biblical theology. He came to fulfill in the Old Testament this image of a God who is madly in love with us. Look at F2 on page six, right? It says, for your husband is your maker. Right now, I know for the many of the men here, uh, that might be difficult imagery for you to get. We can go offline and talk about this later on. Just stay with me here with the fact that, that God wants to be in a spousal relationship with all of us, right? Now, is there evidence in the New Testament that Jesus himself would have known about this Old Testament imagery of a bridegroom coming for his spouse is there evidence that Jesus himself would have considered himself to be the bridegroom absolutely look at letter G right and 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 letter G2 the Gospel of Matthew right they are uh, the people arguing about different Old Testament ritual laws and and they come to Jesus Right, the disciples of John approached him and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much, but you and your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered them. Notice what he says here. Okay? He's, he's going to say, okay, Well, the only reason you're fasting is to prepare for meeting God. I am God. But notice how he answers the next question. He says, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He so says, This is going to be a day after he's gone. Where he then you 'll fast once the bridegroom is not here but but behold i 'm here why you 're fasting i 'm here you 're not preparing anymore i 'm here. I am the bridegroom. John the Baptist knew this all right look at look at the, the next one g three there right so John the Baptist, people think that he 's the Messiah, and people come up to him and say hey are you are you the messiah like, and just look at the bold italicized print. John says as they say, "Are you the messiah he says you yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I was sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The best man, John the Baptist, just stands and listens to him and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. John, John says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the bridegroom. There's only one bridegroom, right? So in the Old Testament, the, the, the Jewish people would have been waiting for the Messiah to come in this image as a spousal gift. Jesus fulfills this. That's why at the wedding of Cana, he's using the wedding as the imagery here. Now, for many of this, you may be saying, okay, that's fascinating. What does that really mean? What does it mean that, that God would want to marry us? Right? Because what happens on a wedding day? On a, on a wedding day, in the fullest of all of the celebrations, with all of its sacramental pageantry and, and all of its uh, human communion, on a day of a wedding, a, a husband stands before his, his, his wife. A, he stands before him and says, I'm going to give all of me to you. I'm not going to hold anything back. In fact, we, we believe that the marriage is, is most uh, fully blessed when it's consummated. So a man says, I'm actually going to give you my body. Because there was a day when he said, I am giving all of me to you. In fact, I'm going to give you my body. There, there are wedding vows being spoken right here. When he says, here's my body, he is saying to all of us, this is how much I love you. He says, I am dying to let you know how much I love you. Literally, I am giving myself to you. Not because I'm angry that there's original sin, not because I've I've got to fix this thing, because I've come for you, because I love you. This is what love looks like. This is who he is. I get annoyed when people refer to Jesus as a good teacher, or a holy man, or he's just like Muhammad, or anything like that. No! He's not. Jesus Christ came for us so that we might unequivocally know that as bad as your life is or as good as your life is as close as you feel to God or as far away as you feel from God this God loves you the way a spouse loves a spouse there's no checklist in heaven oh you did this you're not getting in when we get to heaven We will be dramatically shocked when we find out the insatiable love of a spouse who is dying for us to get to know him. In fact, at at every wedding, a, a priest stands before the couple that is bound sacramentally and says, Have you come here freely and without any reservation?" But that means you got to know your spouse. You see, he, he knew us. He's perfect, but I'm not. And when he said, Mark, I'm coming for you, he said, I am freely choosing a spousal bond with you, knowing that I'm a mess. And he, choose, he, choose, he chose to love me that way. And then this is what he said from the cross. He said, you want everything in me? I'm going I'm to be faithful to you. Because there are moments in my life where I have been not faithful to God. Amen? Amen? I think we can all say that. Amen? Amen. Well, guess what? There's no amount of your, 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 your disobedience that's going to undermine his obedience. In fact, the only time Jesus' heart changes for us when we struggle... It's not that when we struggle, he's like, man, I'm getting tired of this. When we struggle with him, he just leads forward and says, I'm coming more. Right? The vows. I promise to be faithful to you. In good times and in bad. Hey, amen, because we've had some bad times recently. Amen? We've had some bad times internally and externally. It's, I, I don't need God's faithfulness when it's easy. I need God's faithfulness when it's hard for me. And it's no more difficult in my life to be in a relationship with God when I, I feel unlovable. But when he, as a spouse, when he looks at me and says, Mark, when you don't think that you're worthy of my love, I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing there forever with my arms nailed open. open." I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. And I will love and honor you. Love's not a feeling. Love is a verb. It's something you do. It's something you do when it's hard. It's something you do when you suffer. It's something you do... When when it's going to require everything. He says to us. Don't get hooked on what it means for you. He says to us. He's going to love and honor us. All the days of our life. That's who we have. Now, I'm not quite sure what brought you to Mass today. I'm not quite sure what you needed to hear from God. I'm not quite sure what you wanted to hear from God. But what God wants to say to us today is, I love you. I am so in love with you that I'm going to give you my body. On the wedding day, the spouse gave you his body. That's what happens on a wedding day. That's what happens in the vows. He says, here's my body. Now you didn't know that you were going to a wedding today. Because today, in just a couple minutes, he's going to stand behind the altar. And what is he going to say to you all over again? This is my body. And in about ten minutes, he, in the form of the priesthood, is going to stand before here and say, I do, all over again. Now you might have all kind of excuses going through your head right now of why you can't get married to Jesus or what you're not worthy and he's like I don't care about your excuses none of your excuses are more powerful than my desire he says and he says to you this is my body and then what's going to happen is, is just like a spouse walks down the aisle to see her groom what's going to happen today Your spouse is going to be waiting up in the front of the church, just like a good husband does. And a spouse today is going to walk down the aisle. And then right here, when you receive communion today, there's going to be wedding vows. And he's going to say, I do. And all he's asking you to say is, Amen. And we all know what happens at the honeymoon where two bodies are in communion. That's what's happening today. He loves you that much. And so my prayer for us today is that we might be ready to receive him. Regardless of what's cooking inside, regardless of where you find yourself in preparation for this encounter today, let's just be open to letting him love us. Let's be open to love that a bridegroom has for his bride. Amen.